thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to a place of wellness and healing for both your body and mind. Get ready to live a happy, healthy, whole food life that totally rocks. You're listening to Shiny Healthy You, the straight-talking natural health show for busy women, with your host and naturopath, Jules Galloway. Today's interview is with a top Australian nutritionist, a speaker, author, and now filmmaker with the recent release of What's With Wheat. She is a born leader and an outspoken activist for healthy diets and a safer, chemical-free food production. I've heard her speak twice in seminars in the last few weeks, so she's going to think I'm stalking her or something, so that's not awkward at all. But I was blown away by her live presentation, so I thought I'd strike while the iron was hot and get her on Shiny Healthy You. It's my absolute pleasure to introduce to you the wonderful and very wise Cindy O'Meara from Changing Habits. Woo! <laughs> Thanks, Jules. Lovely introduction. <laughs> Welcome. I'm so excited to have you here today, Cindy. It's going to be fun. Wonderful. I'm looking forward to it. I, I always enjoy... I guess uh, giving information to people who may need it um, to motivate them to do what they need to do in their life in order to not only help themselves but their family and friends and, and perhaps we might even be able to help their communities as well. That's it. I think there's going to be a few people out there today who are thinking of making changes. They've might, they may have started making a few changes. They might be trying to make changes. But today, this is the day that we're going to get you to make the changes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, that's what we're talking about before we started. Let's, let's give them the information that, and it's not about what you should be doing. It's why you should be doing it because the why is more powerful than the should. And when you have a why and a powerful why, and especially one that resonates with you, then you can move mountains. Yep. And that why is going to be different for everyone, isn't it? It might be your own health, it might be your husband's health or your family's health, or it could be the health of friends or your community in general. Or it could be animal activism because it could be animal health, it could be the health of the environment. There's a lot of environmentalists out there that um, are very passionate but don't know how do they make those changes. So, yeah, the why uh, is is always different for people. But if you give them a strong enough why they do something, they won't break. They'll be 100%. They won't do 80-20. They'll do 100%. And I think sometimes when you do something, it's easier to be 100% than, ah, you know, 20% of the time I can break and do this. But um, when your why is strong, you do 100%. Yeah, totally. So that's actually a really awesome segue. Good work, mate. Good work. Because (laughs) (laughs) I actually want to speak to you about your why, first of all, just to set the scene. So I've actually heard you speak a little bit about your backstory. But for those who aren't familiar with it, could you tell us why you're so passionate about this stuff? Oh, wow. I have so many whys. I I really do of, of why I do things. So if I was to go way back um and that is the family that I was born into it was a family that was very different so my mom um, was an amazing cook and my dad who had been a pharmacist had become a chiropractor back in the 50s and he had seen the giving drugs versus not giving drugs and so or medications I should say and so when we were born 
his children. He chose to not give us any medications unless they were a life-threatening situation. And so I'm very fortunate to say that I'm 56 in a, in a week and I've never had an antibiotic, a Panadol, that I knowingly have given to myself, I should say, because, you know, there's antibiotics in our, in our um, foods, there's antibiotics everywhere. But as far as one that I have taken, I've never had to take an antibiotic nor aspirins, Panadols, and anything, no medications whatsoever, because I was taught that the body was strong enough to do what it needed to do as long as we stop interfering with it and we give it the right resources. So I guess I, my, my why there is that I was brought up like that and I was given a very strong ethics as to how we look after our body in order for it to look after us. My mum was the oldest of 11 children and um, seven of them are boys and six of them were born with the blood disorder haemophilia. And haemophilia uh, is where the blood doesn't clot. And so, um, you know, through blood transfusions, many blood transfusions and eventually into the 80s, each one of them um, got the disease HIV and each one of them died of AIDS as well as two wives and another um, one of my cousins passed away at the age of six months. So I, I kind of looked at our genetic history because we had type 1 diabetes, we had dysphagia, cancer, breast cancer. There was so much illness um, and disease in that family that I decided that I was going to be the best version of myself. So my biggest why was how can I beat my genetic inheritance, which I'd been given, and how could I be the best version of myself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? And, and I guess that's my biggest why. Um, and that might sound selfish, but I figured if I can't be the best version of myself, how can I pass that on to any children that I had? And, you know, I have three children and they're in their 20s and I've done exactly the same upbringing as my parents did for me. They've not had medications, um, no antibiotics, no Panadols, nothing. And I guess the biggest why is how can I be the best version and then how can I, uh, through, I guess, how I am, not what I say, but how I am, how can I pass that on to my future generations? And then what I noticed, you know, that I was doing this type of bringing up of my children in the 80s and 90s that was very different to what my mother's group was doing. And I was very influential in my mother's group uh, for many things, not only the food, but giving antibiotics. You know, they're all saying, well, how do you keep your kids off antibiotics, Cindy? You know, and so I would tell them. And there were, so there were many things like this happening. And I realized that I had a bit of influence, I guess. I don't know what it was. Um, and so I thought, well, maybe I can do more. Maybe I can get to more people than my mother's group. But it was always about learning and educating myself first, putting that into practice, seeing how it worked, helping my family become the best version of themselves. And then it just became this snowball effect where people kept asking, what do you do? How do you do this? What do you cook? What do you have for breakfast? <laughs> it's just, and, and I don't know how it happened, but I sit here in my office today. It's huge. Um, and I mean, the whole office block is huge. And I have 23 people uh, that work for me. 
Uh, I have a huge uh, warehouse where we have our faucet foods, which are organic, sustainable, ethical and trusted. I've just been to Vanuatu and tried to source some organic vanilla um, as well as um, some more local turmeric. And so it's it's like uh, I don't know what happened. It just happened. <laughs> but I think um, my biggest why of all, um, apart from being the best version of myself, is that when I was 21, I went on an um, outward bound in Colorado for two months. And it was two months of being in the Western wilderness, basically, um, and just going through the mountains of Colorado and learning to live with low impact and little and and learning to, you know, cook with small amounts of food and hike long distances and go to extreme heights such as 15,000 feet. Um, and I've been to more extreme heights since then. That I, I decided that I wanted to live in a very natural environment. And so my biggest dream of all was to have a farm. And I guess everything I've done has been about can I get that farm? Can I get that organic farm? How can I do this? How can I do this as well as work as a nutritionist and travel the world? Is it possible? <laughs> so there's another a big why. Is I guess why number one is being the best version of myself and educating myself and why number two is is to have that ultimate goal that I had was and that was to have a farm. And now you've got the farm, which is like super, super exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, tell me about it. How did you make that a reality? Well, I, I guess it was just a step-by-step -step thing. I, I remember when I met my husband, he's a beach boy. Uh, he's not a farm boy. And I have been looking, I, we moved up to the Sunshine Coast 27 years ago. And for 27 years, I would go into the hinterland. I would go over to the Obi Obi. I would be looking all the time at properties. And I'd take the kids over there and we'd play in the creeks. And I had a friend that bought a place on the Obi Obi. So I'd be over there with the horses and the cows and chickens. And, and I just kind of immersed myself in other people's places and, and farms. And I, I remember, um, I think it has to be 2013, I went to a conference in Greece and it was a conference being put on by a friend of mine who had written the book Manifesting Matisse. And even though the goal of having my farm was always there, it never happened. Even though I'd been looking for 27 years for property and would find property and then we would dismiss it because, you know, we couldn't afford it or... I don't know. There was always a reason why we never bought it. So I, I went to the, um, this conference and it was for a week of workshopping on what is it that you want and how are you going to achieve it? And I know that sounds, you know, airy-fairy. Oh, yeah, how's that going to happen? But these were 10 solid steps that you had to do in order to achieve what you wanted. And I'd been, I had read the book. I had met Michelle years before who authored the book, and I'd been doing it step by step and and testing it out, these 10 steps, and they were working. They were working amazingly. And then what happened was I went, all right, I'm going to Greece and I'm going to put in the centre my farm and all the action steps I need to do in order to get it and and leaving it to the universe. And, and that's what I did. And in 2013 I, I wrote down that I would have my farm by July 31st, 2015, that was it. It was going to happen. So I got to the Christmas of 2014 and I went, right, I need to start looking. 
And I looked and looked and looked and I must have looked at 70 properties maybe. And I found two and I gave my husband an ultimatum, that one or that one, which one? (laughs) Because I'm going to buy one. (laughs) And And you're going to live on it. (laughs) Yes. Well, he doesn't have to live on it. But he loves going up there. I got to tell you, he's just become a farm boy. We've bought a new Aww. tractor, and <laughs> he's Aww. always up there on the tractor, and he's loving it. That's it. Just get the toys. But I did. I, I said, "We've done all your dreams. We've got a. You wanted a boat. We got a boat. Well, you, you wanted to live on the water. We live on the water. Um, but this has been my dream, and I think it's time that I fulfil that dream. And so he looked at the two properties, and he chose the one I wanted. Yes. yes. <laughs> He chose that one, and um, and I purchased it April six, two p.m. last year. So, and since then we have put dams on it. We have um, mechanically got rid of weeds. We don't spray anything on it. We um, have bought around. I think we're at seven hundred trees at the moment and planting. Uh, we have ducks that produce duck eggs, chickens that produce chicken eggs. We have pigs, cows. They are all about fertilising our land. So the cows go through first. They eat the grass down and they poo. Then the chickens come through next and they, oh, they're amazing. They love the poo and they pick out all the larvae and anything that's in that poo and then they scatter it to the winds basically and they fertilise the land and then the ducks come through after that and then the pigs come through and root everything up ready for planting. So we have this system um, called holistic farming that we do and then we'll do permaculture on that fertilised land. Uh, So that's been um, I have three farmers now. I have a holistic farmer and two apprentices that work up there full time. And my business has allowed me to do this because I personally, number one, I don't have the knowledge. Number two, I don't have the time. So I had to get to a position in my business where I, I was able to do this and able to carry it for the next two years before it starts to make a profit. Um, and we're looking at worm farms, we're looking at um, edible flowers. So we're looking at things that will do it. But the most, uh, the biggest thing of all what we want to do is I want to create um, an education centre for uh, farmers as well as backyard farmers. And so a coffee shop and a farm to gate. So that's, that's my my goal is to create something like that. And that will be in the next two years, I would say. You will see, um, uh, you know, that we will have the education centre up, we'll have enough produce to have a farm to gate. Uh, and the coffee shop is just so people can come and and see what we do and walk through. A little bit like the farm at Byron, actually. It's so funny. When I saw that, I, I thought, oh, my gosh, this is exactly what I've had in my head for so long. But they have a big restaurant and big food store. We just want education and um, only produce that we make on the farm, nothing else, Uh, and the produce of changing habits, which, you know, is um, all of our shelf-stable foods, which include, like, salts and sugars and inky-inchy oils and coconut oils and turmerics and and all of those chocolates, you know, things like that. You've got to have um, your shelf stable. So that's the ultimate um, goal and I, I'm working towards it. And um, like you said, you had a sparkle in your eye whenever you talk about it, Cindy, and I do. I, I find it the most magical place. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I could see that when you were talking about it on stage. Like it, it, that sparkle in your eye reached the very back row. It really, really <laughs> did. It really did. And it's interesting because, um, you know, I do live in Byron Bay and I'm very familiar with the farm, but it sounds like what you're doing is a lot more heart-centred and, dare I say, a little bit more authentic um, and definitely more health-focused. Oh, definitely. You know, it, look, I love, I think what they've done at the farm is just beautiful and it enables city folk to walk through and see pigs and piglets and cows and chickens in, in open roaming. But it doesn't teach them, well, how can I have this? How can I have a piece of this in my backyard? How can I make my huge farm able to do this without using chemicals how can I get rid of get rid of like I've got tobacco and thistle and um devil's fig and oh, what else do I have lantana oh, so lantana. I have all oh we yeah. have that here oh god yeah I have all these weeds but we're learning how to mechanically like it's a mechanical thing that we have to do and um event and we're also going to try some biocides I'm, I'm just not sure that my holistic farmer is saying Cindy do you want to give it a go so we're going to research if there are any biocides that we like because most of our herbicides are, are like some like glyphosate which is the one I talk about in what's with wheat you know yeah. this should be something this should be everybody's why because if we're not buying organic foods and organic produce, then we are consuming glyphosate. And Stephanie Seneff and Andreas, I forget his last name, they work together. Their research and information about the train wreck that glyphosate is causing to the ecology of our soil as well as to the ecology of our human gut, our microbiome, um, is phenomenal. And if people don't wake up, then we are going to have more and more children and next generations with more gut issues, more health issues. And I don't want that for my future generation, you know, my future generations. Now, my kids are old enough to have children now, so it could happen any time. And I'm trying to say to them, you know, spend your money on organic foods. It's more important than, than anything else. Uh, they've even found glyphosate in the honey. You know, it's it's an antibiotic. It's it's killing the 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 honey's actual antibiotic properties because it kills them. And um, we're finding it in vaccines. The glyphosate is in vaccines now. There's a new study that um, any vaccine that's grown on gelatin or egg yolk, or, or you know, um, bovine, that they're starting to find the glyphosate in the vaccine. Now, that's, that's injecting a poison into the blood of children or adults, whatever, whoever's being vaccinated. They're finding um, glyphosate in red wine. Um, there's a beautiful group in the US, uh, Mothers, I think they're called the, the Mothers something group, and they decided to buy one bottle of red or white wine in every vineyard in California and every single one of those wines had glyphosate in it. Oh so just to give the heads up, I know it's just, it's horrific, but just to give you the heads up, number one, glyphosate is the active ingredient in Roundup and 399 other um, chemicals that you can find in, you know, any farming or gardening store or hardware store in Australia. 
glyphosate um, is an is is a, registered as an antibiotic or herbicide. It destroys the bacteria in the soil ecology, which means that the the plants can't bring the minerals out of the soil into itself. So what happens is that um, you don't have minerals in the in the food that you're consuming. It um, destroys the bacteria by stopping a pathway called the shikimate pathway. And the shikimate pathway uses fructose that we consume. So it's done by our bacteria, not by our cells. It's done by the bacteria in the gut. So it uses the fructose that we consume, produces a series of um, compounds that at the end actually produces our aromatic amino acids, which are tyrosine, tryptophan and phenylalanine. Now, these three are very, very important for our neurotransmitters, such as dopamine, melatonin, which helps us sleep, serotonin, epinephrine, noradrenaline. So all of these need our aromatic amino acids in order to to make them. And I see this in practice all the time, Cindy. I see neurotransmitter imbalances. I see issues with low levels of phenylalanine and issues with, you know, adrenaline, noradrenaline, like all the time. I can't mm-hmm. even tell you how often I see it because I get a lot of women who are anxious, depressed and fatigued. And when they come to me with fatigue, this, this is the stuff that, that I find. Yeah, and, and it's not going to get better unless they wake up and realise that. See, what glyphosate does is it, it's not like you're poisoned with the first bite of it or, or exposure to it. It's a build-up. And over time, it starts to, they're even finding glyphosate is replacing glycine in the amino acid chains on our DNA and our RNA and our protein. Anything that we make in the body is made from these protein strands. It stop, down-regulates vitamin D. Uh, it stop, it chelates with minerals. So we're not only getting no minerals in our, in our food, but if we are getting any minerals, it's starting to chelate with them and it takes it out of the system. It's, it, there's so many things that um, the beautiful Dr. Stephanie Seneff has discovered. She's, she's a mum, four children, grandchildren, um, saw an increase in autism and decided to look it up. And, and she's a researcher with numerous degrees out of MIT and she's a senior researcher. So she's no, she knows what she's doing and she can collate information. So she started with computer science so she knows how to collate data and, and she kept looking at it and going, why is there an increase in autism? When you see an exponential increase in autism, there is a problem. There is a reason. So um, she started to uh, research and she thought, oh, could it be vaccines? Could it be uh, a compound in the vaccine? Could it be some other chemical? And all of a sudden she was collating all this data and she noticed that as glyphosate, Roundup was increasing in the amount that it was being used in our environment. So in 1999, about 65,000 million kilos was used worldwide. Today, (laughs) today it's 850,000 million kilos sprayed on our sports grounds, agriculture, golf courses, playgrounds. Uh, if you see a council worker spraying 
the likelihood of them spraying with glyphosate is probably 99%. There are councils in Australia, there's 30 apparently that have uh, stopped this, and there are countries that are stopping this, but I just wish the world would wake up because in some soils this stuff lasts for, you know, 20 years. And and, and what they've started to do is that they've realised that when they spray glyphosate over a crop, it will kill the crop, make it sprout more grain, um, and therefore the yield is greater. But there's glyphosate in the grain. So if you're eating wheat, uh, canola oil, uh, what else do they eat? This is Australia. Not all um, wheat fields put glyphosate on it in Australia. Many in America do. So if you're buying American foods, they will. Or Most canola crops will use it as a desiccant. That's what it's called as a desiccant. It kills it. So, you know, when you consider the amount of glyphosate that's being spread, she noticed that as the amount increased, the amount of autism increased. And her latest study, which came out 31st of August this year, 2016, showed that the vaccines have glyphosate in it because the animals are eating the food that's got glyphosate in it. It's going into their bones um, and into their collagen, which then if you render gelatin down and you grow um, a virus or a bacteria on that in order to create a vaccine, then it's going to carry the glyphosate with it. So this is, to me, the biggest why of all that we need to change. We need to stop consuming genetically modified foods because, number one, GMO foods are all sprayed with Roundup. It's called Roundup Ready Soya, Roundup Ready Canola, Roundup Ready cotton roundup ready you know corn it's it's that's why it's called roundup ready is that you can actually spray roundup on these and it won't kill them so this but roundup is becoming less and less effective to weeds so they're having to spray more and more and i was talking to a farmer who grows canola and uses roundup and he said max two years and we it will do nothing a bit like antibiotics yeah and, in, and, they, and there's a new generation um, coming through. And if we have a look, uh, last week, um, Bayer made a bid for Monsanto. Oh. I think it's $66 billion. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because if you didn't bring it up, I was going to bring it up. <laughs> and, I, like, I, I see this as, like, it's funny. I see it as not a, a good thing, but I also see it as, come on, people, this is your why. Make a stand. Do it for yourself and your family. Stop eating the crap and the foods that we know have genetically modified foods in it or are sprayed with glyphosate. So that's anything that's not organic. And people will be going, ah, but it's too expensive. Well, I'm sorry, but we are destroying, we are destroying our, our future generation's ability to be healthy. And we are destroying our probability to be healthy so if you're fatigued and you're not feeling good and you know it's 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 to me it's a no-brainer just start eating the foods that you're meant to be eating and 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 to me enhance your foods with beautiful herbs and tinctures and whatever it is that needs to be given to you to help your other modalities so it could be chiropractic if you know if it or naturopathy, or osteopathy, or acupuncture, or whatever else is out there, the modality might be there to help you, but we have to first start with what we're putting into our mouth. We've got to stop killing ourselves and digging our graves with what we're consuming. And I think if people realize this, then 
their why gets greater um, because if if you don't have any heart or feeling about what's happening out there and, and don't think I'm a doomsdayer because I'm not because I try and raise above this um, and there will be times that I can't eat organic because I'm traveling but what comes into my house and what comes into my warehouse is certified organic. We've been to the growers. We go to where it goes. Um, we we do our best to get the cleanest foods that we can possibly get so that, you know, people can can know that they can trust our foods. And And one of the foods that I'm so happy that we waited years to find, and that was our organic gelatin. There's lots of grass-fed gelatin out there, but there's not a lot of organic gelatin. And we just didn't want grass-fed. We wanted grass-fed organic gelatin. And we eventually found it. And um, it's now in our warehouse, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be using any other gelatin. I can tell you that now, and I would not be making bone broths with anything but organic, um, grass-fed bones. Yeah, because the chemicals, like they go into the hard tissues. Like if you've, if you're ingesting chemicals, they go into your organs, they go into your bones, they go into your muscles, they go everywhere. So, you know, if you're boiling down bones, like. You could be ending up getting just a dose of whatever's in there, whatever's been stored in there. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's and, it's and scary. It, it is scary. And like and eggs. Think about eggs. If those chickens are free range, but they're eating genetically modified grain, which they will be, then they're consuming glyphosate, which means it's going to go into the egg. Yeah. You know, it's it's going to go into the fat and go into the egg. So if if you've got like even a little bit of space in your home, get some chickens, get them to produce your eggs. They're just the best, you know, and you give them all your scraps, have a worm farm. Like it's not hard in a very small area to have a worm farm. You give them your scraps um, and have a couple of chickens. I know people that are live in Brisbane that have chickens and that produce their eggs and they give them all their food scraps. They, they make sure they give them the right ones. Um, and they grind them down and um, make them and, and they give them their, their food scraps and they scratch around and they get worms and yep. <laughs> and they're great pets. <laughs> and, there's, and there's really, that you can make a lot of excuses, but at the end of the day, there's also something you could do. I mean, I know there's a, a lovely lady who was living up your way called Nicola Newman and she used to have a course that was all about growing organic food in pots on a balcony. That was her oh, thing. Wow. And, and she taught people how to just, you know, even if you've just got a normal city balcony that's like the size of a yoga mat, that's cool. We can wax some pots on there. And she would teach you how to make the most of that space. So you can, you can make a lot of excuses about, you know, oh, I live here, I can't do this. But at the end of the day, there must be something you can do. And if, if you think you can't afford organic food, then that's one way to make it cheaper, isn't it? Well, it is. And herbs are like weeds. So, you know, have a couple of herbs because herbs are not only medicinal, they're high in vitamins and, and minerals and phytonutrients and, there's, you know, they can be used in culinary purpose for culinary purposes, you know. So I, I like, they're weeds. <laughs> I look at mine like I go away for a couple of weeks and I go, oh, gosh, no one's watered them and I give them a water and then they grow up like weeds. Yeah. <laughs> they're brilliant, yeah. And yeah. I just think that... It, pretty like grass spaces um 
we don't need them. We can grow some lettuces and some tomatoes. And, and there's another thing, they just self-seed. We, there's a lady by the name of Marag Gamble at Crystal Waters, which isn't far from here in, in near Collendale. She does courses in permaculture and how to make your space of grass a self-seeding, um, self-weeding, it does it all itself, um, garden. She's absolutely brilliant at it. So, look, the, the people are there. I think it's about, I really believe it's about priorities. I, I believe it's um, what's your why. If it's environmental, I've given it to you. If it's for the health of your children and yourself, I've given it to you. Uh, if it's about um, animal welfare, then the last thing you want to be doing is, is having you know, your animals force-fed grain. Uh, if it's about, you know, there's so many things that we can do here in, in order to um, to find the why for the person, no matter what it is. And, and look, we've just um, noticed that um, most of the honey, you know, in America is now got glyphosate in it. And uh, I, it's, I just think... I, I'm an activist at the moment on the Sunshine Coast. I'm, I'm um, getting to the council and saying we have to stop this. You have to stop spraying our roadsides and our verges and our sports grounds and our playgrounds and our. It, we have to stop using it. Yeah. And I'm getting to them. I don't know how well, but um, you know that that is my absolute aim. And I, I actually put an article in my What's With Wheat Facebook page recently and it was about how we always thought that glyphosate only affected the shikimate pathway of bacteria and, and plants, therefore rendering them not able to make amino acids and therefore not surviving. But what they're finding is that the, shika, the uh, glyphosate is actually affecting embryological cells and umbilical cells. And I had put this up on my What's With Wheat Facebook page and we got a phone call from someone here on the Sunshine Coast who said, you know, it's really funny. My neighbour and I were both pregnant and the council came round and sprayed our verges with glyphosate. With, I don't, she said it, it was a compound with glyphosate in it because she asked. And she said we both had miscarriages. Yeah, that's horrifying. Yeah, both of them. And you think, well, they're not related. They just live next door to each other. So there has to be an environmental thing that may have caused it or it could have been just, you know, as as they say, it, it could have been just coincidence. Mm, maybe. <laughs> uh, maybe. Um, it, well, they say that all the time, you know. Um, and I, I wonder why so many people are now saying that when their child's vaccinated, that the next day or, the, you know, within a very short period of time, the development stopped or slowed. Is it, is it maybe that there's glyphosate now in there? I don't know. Like I've, I haven't got the answers, but these are questions that need to be answered before we go on this rampage of vaccinating 66 or 88. I don't even know what they do anymore, um, you know, where... Everything, every bacteria and virus is a is a problem, and so let's eradicate it and or find the immune system a way to, you know, to to be helped. So, you yeah. know, whether you're pro or anti-vaccine, I don't think is the issue right now. I think it's about let's have safe safety and know what's in them and not have excipients that we don't even know that was in there until 
the 31st of August when this paper came out. Yeah. So, Cindy, I'm, I'm just going to put on my devil's advocate hat for a moment, or as I sometimes say in, in our house here, our dev- devil's avocado hat. And I'm, I'm just going to, because you know I'm on your side of the fence, right? But mm-hmm. I'm just going to jump the fence for a second and just sit on the other side and just say that there's a lot of people and a lot of sceptics out there who are going to say this is a whole lot of shit and that these foods are safe and that GMO foods are safe and that, you know, vaccines, pesticides, all those things are safe. And I know that a lot of people listening will get pushback from their families, husbands, mums, whatever, saying, oh, why are you spending all your money on that stuff? You know, it, it, you don't need to. The food you get at our supermarket, that's safe enough. What do we say? What do we say to those people? And what, what do you say to the sceptics who say that you're just, you know, you're, you're really, you've gone too far? Well, I actually think that I'm just a deck chair on the Titanic trying to shift it and make it look good. <laughs> I think there's bigger holes. I seriously do. And um, we can have shutters on ourselves and, and not look at what's out there and the research and we can be blind to this. Um, and I'm, I'm never going to convince everybody. But what I'd like to do is just say it once and then somebody else is going to say it. And then somebody else is going to say it. I'm not the only person out there saying it. And there's there's more people than just me saying this. There's, there's thousands and thousands and thousands. It, it could even be, I don't know if it's millions, but it's definitely thousands. And as a very wise barrister said to me one day, she's, she, and she knows what's happening at a government level, and they know this. <laughs> they know what they're doing. Um, and she said to me, it's about being aware. It's about saying, well, I'm not going to drink water out of plastic. I'm not going to drink fluoridated water. I'm going to eat as much organic food as I can. I'm going to refuse to consume genetically modified foods. I'm not going to use these pesticides. I'm, I'm going to do the best that I can. But I'm going to raise my vibration above the worry and the fear because it's not about I just want to make awareness but we've got to just then move on with our lives. We need to then go, right, these are the decisions I've made. This is the knowledge I've got. This is what I know I can do because we can't do everything. But this is what I know as an individual that I can do in order to make a difference in myself, be the best version of myself. And whether you have your family against you, um, you will find a tribe or a community that will be with you. And as somebody said to me, you kind of move away from the people, and I know it's hard with husbands and children, but you, or wives. Mums-in-law. Um, mums yeah, mums-in-laws. Oh, gosh, yeah. You know, like there's all of that. But in the end, you, you still see them, but you spend less time with them less often, and you spend more time and more often with people that are supporting what you feel is the right thing to do, that you know in your heart, you can feel it, you have the intelligence to read the information. Like at the moment, um, uh, I'm reading Plague for the second time because it was such a, uh, it's a scary book to read, but it's informational. And for me, I need information in order to know that I, I'm on the right track. And this is a book by the lady, by the, a scientist by the name of Judy Makovitz, 
who found uh, a retrovirus in um, people who had chronic fatigue syndrome. And, sh- and, and there are 10 million people in the US with chronic fatigue syndrome. Oh, and so many here in Australia, so many. Well, she's, her, her book, Plague, is absolutely fascinating. Um, but sometimes I'm reading it and I'm like going, seriously? I, this was happening in the 30s? You know, why did I not know this when I was born in the 60s, you know, or the 80s when I got started in this and interested in this? And But it, this is information where somebody discovers something and then they're, they're very ethical, um, they're, they really look into their research, they're, they want to make sure that they've dotted all their I's and crossed all their T's. And then they bring the information out and it's a bombshell. And I think um, we need bombs under our butts in order to make changes. And, yeah, like I said, I just think I'm the deck, just fixing the deck chair up on the Titanic. I think there's bigger, (laughs) bigger fish out there that need fixing. But I can't can't do anything about that. (laughs) I can't. And I'm not going to worry about it because I think it's about living each day as we possibly can, but living it with morality and ethically and, um, and living it right so that we have made a difference to our family. You know, can I make a difference on the planet? I don't know, but I know I can make a difference to myself. And I guess that's where I, where I really, I work towards doing that, Jules. Yeah. And I, I just want to take a moment as well to just speak to anyone out there who is listening to this and feeling their anxiety levels rise and feeling their old cortisol go up because Mm. they're just going, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, shit, what do I do? And feeling a little bit overwhelmed. And I was actually at a Dr. Libby talk last night in Bangalore and she was talking about how we really shouldn't be making changes from a place of fear and we need to make the changes, we need to make these choices from a different place, not from fear. How how do we not get sucked into the fear of all of this? Because, it, you know, I, I listen to all this and I'm nodding my head, but at the same time I'm like, oh, my God, it's not safe to go out. <laughs> oh, I think the body is incredible. I, I think that the body is incredible. And you give it the right resources and stop interfering with it it will do what it needs to do and you'll be able to be exposed to some of these chemicals because we're never not going to be able to do that. You know, like things off gas and there's EMFs and there's this and there's that. But you have a strong body and you'll be able to to cope with this. But how do you get that strong body? Well, you start eating the foods that are going to give you the health that it needs. And I'm a you know, I wrote the book Changing Habits, Changing Lives back in 1998 and it was about going, okay, this week, let's just pick one thing. Let's look at the salt that you're consuming. How can we find a better quality salt? Or it could be, you know, you don't want to get up sugar and um, but let's eat the best quality sugar that you can possibly have, you know, as opposed to white refined sugar that's 99.4% sucrose and 0.6% ash. Why not find something out there that has sucrose in it, but it's got vitamins and minerals and has got all the nourishment and magnesium that allows you to use the glucose. And, and I think it's about 
just doing it and saying over the next 12 months, I'm going to change one thing a week. And it could be as easy as the salt habit, the sugar habit. It could be that you're going to, instead of having wheat that's, you know, got chemicals on it, why not find an organic heritage seed such as einkorn or emma wheat? And so by writing Changing Habits, Changing Lives and then creating or, or getting my faucet foods in, um, I answer the questions for you. So when you get to the salt chapter and you're confused about what I'm talking about, we have salt. Sugar chapter, you've got the sugar. Uh, what kind of breakfast? We, we look at recipes. So we've got recipes to help you. What are the different breakfasts that you can have as opposed to the cereals and um, low-fat milks? Um, where do you find an egg? What is a good egg? Um, and so where do you find it in your community? And what about meat? That's my next step. And, and step by step, but still living the life that you've got, you have, but making sure that you are giving your body the nutrition it needs without the chemicals, with the health um, that, and the energy that will enable you to do even more and more. Because if chronic fatigue is an issue, then you have to get your cells strong in order. If, if Judy Makovitz is right and there is a retrovirus that is causing this, then you have to have the ability for that retrovirus not to um, have a problem. And one of the things that she's also discovered is that SNPs, and I don't know if you've talked about genetic SNPs, but um, I've just got to think what the, the genetic SNP was, that she noticed that if people had this particular genetic SNP, then they uh, were more likely to have this virus affect them. Yeah. So, but that doesn't mean that everybody with this SNP has this virus that's affecting them. It just means that those that uh, have their immune system down are unable to deal with this virus. And so we all have to deal with viruses on a, a regular basis. Um, and, and like I think it's about step by step, bit by bit. Okay, I'm going to do a garden today. What am I going to get in? Let's start with parsley. That's the biggest weed of all, you know, like it, yeah. just, <laughs> it grows crazy. Um, and uh, like sometimes I think awareness is important and that little bit of fear pushes people to become more aware or it puts them like a mushroom, you know, just leave me, leave me like a mushroom, just leave me in the dark and feed me crap. <laughs> so, you know, it what it's what works for, for you because for some people fear does work. For other people it's moving away from um, that fear is what works. So it depends on you as a human being as to what's going to work best for you. And for me it's awareness, not fear. I don't I don't fear this stuff. Uh, I don't fear what I, I I read and I read a lot more. Like I said, I'm reading the hole in the Titanic at the moment. Um, I'm not reading the deck chairs trying to sort them out, um, although that's that's what I teach. So I'm reading about that and, and I like go, well, there's nothing I can do about that hole in the Titanic. Um, but what I can do is raise my vibration, vibrate at a higher level, hopefully create a consciousness in the world that um, will be the thing that will fix the hole in the Titanic. And I, I noticed that a million children in Thailand recently um, meditated on world peace. There's a photo of it. Um, I saw a photo of it. And I just thought this is what we need, is that we need more and more people to find a calm, raise their vibration, you know, do the right thing 
for themselves and then they'll be doing the right thing for the human population and I think we can all do it I don't think it's hard it's just a matter of going well there's my why that's what I'm going to do I'm going to make sure that I can be the best version of myself and uh, and there'll be a knock-on effect you watch it's amazing yeah there's definitely already more people talking about it than ever before and I think when you speak about raising vibration and, and raising awareness, like you are doing just that right now. And I love what you've done with What's With Wheat. But I heard you say that you could have picked any food. It wasn't about the wheat, it was it? No. It, it was about uh, what has been, what's happening. It's just that wheat was probably the most problematic food that we seem to have at the moment as well. You know, dairy is there too, soy is there, um, you know, peanuts. There's so many. Oh, but my God. Seen, and now, yeah. now corn and now oh. I, I'm, I'm seeing intolerances to bananas, so don't get me started. Oh. Don't get me started. So, the, you know, the, I felt that wheat was probably the most problematic. It was probably the thing that many people were starting to go, well, why? Why can't we eat wheat? We've been eating it for thousands of years. Why is it a problem? Uh and if I if I'd done every food, it would have been you know too long a documentary. So I had to choose one thing and then show the progression from the 1920s to now as to why have we become like this? And you know we we noticed there were 14 factors in that. And I could have probably done soya. I could do soya. I could do dairy. I could do meat. I could do fish. Fish oil. I could do. I could do supplements. You know, just I looked at what I could do, and I just went right. Just concentrate, Cindy. <laughs> okay. What's Stay with wheat? Because what's with all the freaking food is just too long a title. It and is too long a movie. It is. What's with food? What's with every bloody thing? <laughs> yeah. What's 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 and and so yeah. I just felt that, and that's where I end the the documentary. I go. The story of wheat is the story of food become educated to become aware you know start making better choices step by step habit by habit and we may be able to create a tsunami of change that will change the the health of our future generations and ourselves so and that's what my hope was at the end of that film was that people would start to make those small changes and um and I think it's going to happen I really do I I am so optimistic that we can do this, uh, and but it will be about people taking the steps, raising their vibration, um, becoming positive about what's happening in the world. Because what I notice is that, yes, it's good to be aware, but it's also good to have happiness and fun and enjoy yourself and and um, and see the good that's happening. Because there's a lot of good happening out there as well. And don't get once you're aware, great. But now, what can I do? Well, I've learnt this. I'm not going to eat, drink fluoridated water. I'm not going to drink out of plastic. I'm not going to eat out of plastic. I'm not going to heat in plastic. <laughs> um, I'm going to use glass. I'm going to recycle. I'm going to eat as much organic food as I possibly can. You know, there, there may be sometimes you can't, but that's okay. Um, as long as you're not exposed to it 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, you know, change those things. They're not hard steps. And it's about going back to um, our traditional ways of being in the kitchen and cooking foods from scratch, feeding our family to heal a nation. That That's it, you know. We don't have to do any more than feed our family. And 
I personally, I love being in the kitchen. I love making family dinners. And that's what it's all about. And I love the fact that here on the Sunshine Coast, because that's where I live, is that I am able to have choice about my food. I can find organic produce. I can grow my own foods. I have lots of rain. Um, And now I have my farm where lots of people will be able to enjoy what I've been trying to do in my own backyard (laughs) for for a while. I'm not always successful because I'm away for two weeks and I come home and I look at my plants and I go, nobody's watered them. (laughs) Maybe the dog (laughs) eat on them and that's about it. (laughs) I have that problem even when I'm at home. I go out and no one's watered them and then I remember I was meant to. (laughs) (laughs) I'm terrible. Lucky we've got some really good farmer's markets and some beautiful roadside stalls near here that are spray-free and organic because seriously I can't be trusted to grow things. You've got to know your strengths. (laughs) Well, I agree, you know, and there are farmers out there that love doing this and you go to and you sustain them by you buying their food. And I love the farmer's markets. I love Byron Bay Thursday morning. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> oh, there should be more of those around the country. Yeah, well, there, there are plenty around. And if you're listening to this and, and you do want somewhere to start, seek out your local farmer's market and go and talk to them. Go and actually start up a conversation. Ask them how they grow the food because I'll tell you, most of them are pretty passionate and they're happy mm. to talk to you about it. They'll tell you what they do and you'll soon learn who to trust and where to go for each thing. Like I know where to get my eggs, I know where to get my apples, I know where to get my tomatoes, etc. And then after a while, you'll be able to share that information with other people in your community and, and grow this movement. Mm. Sounds perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Let's start a revolution. Well, you've already started it. (laughs) Yeah, and a revolution is where everybody hops on board and, um, you know, like I look at communities that are just changing the face of their community. Like I talk about in What's With Wheat, the community of Todd Morden, which is in England, and just this woman said, I love her talk, she's on TED, um, and her name is Pam... Pam Walhurst, W-A-L-H-U-R-S-T, and she talks about her town of Todmorden. And she just went, I love how she goes, we didn't have a committee, we didn't ask the council, we didn't care about anybody, we just went out and did it. We just planted food trees. Um, And I think they did it at the library or something first and then they did it in front of the medical centre and now the whole town is a a food town where you can go through the streets, pick the foods. Uh, it's, It's a food town. And I don't... Like in Budrum, we have a, a beautiful community in Budrum. Um, what are they called? Urban? urban? Uh, yeah, the, where the, everyone's doing it on their nature strip. Yeah, on the yeah. verges. They're not even yeah. doing it in their backyard. They're doing it on the verges. It's called Urban Street or something. And this gentleman and his wife, Duncan, um, d- started doing it on their corner. And then the neighbor went, well, can we do what you're doing? And then... The neighbour said, can we do what you're doing? And now there's like seven streets that I think they harvest, they're harvesting, they harvested last year 900 tonne of bananas out of one of the streets and they expect two, 900,000 was it, two tonne now they expect. Uh, like what is it? No, it was nine hundred thousand kilos, and now they're expecting two ton. That's right, two ton. Nine hundred thousand tons a lot. <laughs> okay, so it's nine hundred thousand kilo, nine hundred kilos, and now they're expecting two ton. I hope I got that right. <laughs> um, you go along, and there's um, there's herbs and um, I don't know the greenery, 
and there's tr- peach trees and, and they're all on verges. So they're, they're there for the public. Yeah, and people, neighbours talking to each other, hanging out with each other, doing a bit of gardening together. You want to meet like-minded people? That's, mm-hmm. that's how it happens. Yep, and it's it's just it's beautiful to watch. And do you know what? The, the houses in the streets have gone up in price. <laughs> Everybody wants to live. In, in Urban Street, I think it's called. Um, oh, my God. But I just love the passion of Duncan. You know, this started five to seven years ago, and I actually met the council there. I said, come on, this is what we can do. This is how we can make changes. And it's a no-dig garden. Um, they've, they've just done amazing jobs. So if you, like I always think of people who are home and, are not working and are perhaps retired and want to do something, you know, why not be the people that start a revolution in your street and just say, let's plant lemon trees and orange trees um, in the street because citrus, like I, I'm like the hunter of citrus. So when I see somebody not um, picking up their mandarins and their oranges and their lemons and limes, <laughs> I just go and I go in there and I just have a bag and I just pick up all of this stuff off the ground and go, well, you're not going to eat it and I'm not letting it go to waste and let fruit fly get it. <laughs> I do it with herbs too. Like if um, sometimes my rosemary doesn't do too well and so I'll see a hedge of rosemary and I'll just go and cut all, some rosemary off the hedge that's hanging over or lavender or an aloe vera just recently I saw a whole bunch of aloe vera just on a verge and I just went and cut a whole bunch and <laughs> yeah you know what we've got in our street one of our neighbors there's this little bit of land up the end of the street that doesn't have a house on it and uh, one of the neighbors built a swap box it's a little stall where mm-hmm. you can take something that you've got too much of and leave it there for someone else no money is exchanged you just rock up with your bunch of rosemary or your bag of lemons and you put it in the swap box and you take something from the swap box that you want. So there might be some tomatoes or some passion fruit or something there. And it's fantastic. It's such a good concept and it can be done anywhere. Wow. I, I, I have seen the swap box uh, but with um, foods that from the grocery store. I have seen them that concept in the U.S., but I like the swap box you're talking about yeah, where yeah. people are growing things and, you you know, you do this. Because when you grow, when you have a banana tree, you grow more bananas than you can eat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you get a bit sick of bananas, let's face yeah. it. By the end of that, yeah. you're like, oh, my God, I'm so over X, Y, and Z that I just grew. Oh, yep. Yep, swap box. Swap I box. love it. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Some, look, see, while we talked about the doom and gloom, but really I call it awareness. Yeah. We then look for answers and I find that when our back's up against the wall, we actually find ways to um, fix the hole in the Titanic and, <laughs> and this, is, this is what's happening. You, you may be, you've talked about the deck chairs, you've talked about the hole in the Titanic. I think you're actually the marching band that played on deck. <laughs> Keeping everybody happy and jubilant, even though the ship's bloody going down. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's fine. Yeah. <laughs> We're all, all good. Okay. We're all good. I just, oh, I, dear. I, I, just, I have to read you something, and this is by a guy who says this is the hole in the, um, and everybody's going, don't want to hear what the hole in the Titanic is. Don't tell me. But I, I think um, I'd like to read this to you. Ah, oh, he just disappeared. 
I just, I'm just was reading it to a friend of mine, or actually to one of my co-workers, actually. <laughs> Geo, it's called geoengineering, and a lot of people don't know it's happening, and it's been happening since um, the World War Two. And this was his comment. I, re- I, I, I get his feed on my, it's called Geoengineering Watch. He says, many of the first world populations unfortunately still believe that their affluence will somehow insulate them from what's coming. They believe their governments exist to take care of them. The rude awakening draws near. And I read that and I went, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he's basically saying we can't depend on our governments, but we have to do it ourselves. We've, we've got to work as individuals that become a community that work to make swap boxes and verge side gardens and, and do things that um, are important for um, bending the hole in the Titanic, basically. Yeah. And remember, if you're feeling overwhelmed, you can just start with planting a lemon tree. I like that idea. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's one, just pick one. I liked what you said, just pick one thing, one thing, one thing. And just say one thing a week because think of 52 things that you've changed in your life over a year. Just by making one change, the ripple effect happens. Imagine 52 over a year and just commit to that and just go, it's not hard. Pick something out of the pantry. Pick something out of the laundry that's a chemical and replace it with something that's not, and you know, a person that I believe is brilliant at that uh, is Nicole Bisma, who wrote the book. Yes, she was uh, one of my lecturers at that college. She's brilliant. Yes, yeah, she is absolutely brilliant. And I would get her book and and her products. Her like she realised she wrote this book, and then people would say, "Well, what do I buy?" And so she's created a product. And if I trust her, you know, when you begin to trust somebody you know you do not have to do your research. You know you've found someone that has done all the research, knows what she's talking about and will deliver the best product that will not harm the home, the family or the environment. So to me, you just go, well, I'll just replace all my laundry stuff with her stuff or my cleaning stuff with her stuff. Uh, and, And people I know trust me with my foods because they know that I'm particular. And you know what was really interesting, and I I don't know which seminar you saw me at, but um, the gift I was given at one of them made me realize that the people who gave it to me had no idea about food. I I read the ingredients of what they gave me, and I would never eat it. I wouldn't touch it. (laughs) So I was, you know, People know that I know what I'm talking about and I know it's in what every ingredient means and what it, where it comes from and how it's produced. And so they know that I will only bring into my pantry, which ends up in my warehouse, um, foods that are what I know to be the absolute best and will do no harm because that was Hippocrates first do no harm and that's with food as well I my my you know my thing is if it will be in my pantry you know I've done the research yeah yep and I know that I mean you can go on instinct but I know that sometimes it's really easy to work out who to trust when it comes to these things like you said about Nicole Bilsma because Mm -hmm. 
it's usually the person who's standing up the front speaking with the most passion, the most passion. And, and that's, that's what I see in you, Cindy. And that's, that's why I know people love listening to you speak because you have just got, you know, so much passion for this and you will not stop. I know that. Mm. I think it's knowledge too. I think, I think people, it's not just passion. We need knowledge as well. And, and Nicole, you know, her knowledge is beyond anybody else's (laughs) on point is right. And Mark Cohen, you know, he's another one. So Nicole and Mark work together. I had them both speak at my education seminar and like that, the seminar that I had these, I had um, six amazing speakers, um, and one was Rachel Arthur who asked me to speak at the naturopathic se- seminar. But I just, I found every single one of them unbelievable knowledge and passion. And you knew they had knowledge because they could answer any curly question that came their way that you would think, well, you're going to need a lot of background information in order to answer that one. And they did. They they, they knew how to do it. So, yeah. Um, well, there are ways to do it. We do it step by step, bit by bit. Remember, fifty-two in the next 52 weeks, imagine what you can change. Yep. And just focus on the first one. What's the first change going to be? What are you going to do mm. in the next seven days? Yep. So, yep. Cindy, you're amazing. <laughs> I could Thanks. talk to you all day, but I'm going to let you go. Um, but not before you've just let everyone know where they can find you and where they can get hold of this movie. Uh, all right. So um, my website is changinghabits.com.au, funny enough. Um, <laughs> so it's a step-by-step. So you will find everything on there from the food that we have, the programs and protocols. So, um, and there's recipes. There's like there's, Before we cleaned our website, we had like 1,500 pages on it. Um, which a lot were recipes, so people can get ideas of what to do. You, If you want to watch the movie What's With Wheat, which will give you an hour and 15 minutes of, you know, information that is done in a step-by-step manner um, and a historical manner, um, you go to whatswithwheat.com and you can actually download it uh, and watch it. I think it's like $7. I'm just not sure of the exact price, but I think it's about $7 to download it and watch it in the comfort of your own home. There are a lot of screenings around the country that passionate people are wanting to get this information out and are doing screenings in cafes, and you can find that on the What's With Wheat Facebook page. You can also, if you're a member of um, Food Matters TV, uh, FMTV, you can actually watch it uh, on there. You won't have to pay because you're already paying a subscription, so it's on there. We have just sold it to the biggest distributor uh, of films in the U.S., so if anybody's listening in the U.S., by December it should be on iTunes. Uh, It will be available in many outlets around the U.S., so it's we had um, something like 150,000 watch it in its first week, so... It's been doing really well. That's that's all I can say. It's just been doing very, very well. People are resonating with it and understanding, you know, what the problem is and making changes. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Cindy, thank you so, so much for sharing your knowledge and your wisdom with us today and keep fighting the good fight. Thank you, Jules. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Bye.
I hope you enjoyed that interview with Cindy O'Meara. It was a little longer than my usual episodes of Shiny Healthy You, but there were so many takeaways and so much gold in there that I just let it roll and there's no way that I could cut anything out afterwards. Now remember, this revolution starts with you. That's right, you. So what's one small change you can make this week to get yourself moving in the right direction? I'd love to hear from you. So hit me up on my Facebook page. It's over at Jules Galloway Health. Also, if you liked this episode, make sure you hit subscribe because there will be some more awesome interviews coming your way in the next few weeks. And believe me, you don't want to miss those. In the meantime, have a beautiful week out there. Stay shiny and bye for now. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.